Heaven High. Heaven High. Welcome to episode 253 of a podcast. Mm, at, the 253rd podcast. At Rum Doings. With a little at sign that looks like a little a little strudel, as they call it in Australia. Australia. In Austria, same thing. Uh, same did you place. Did you did you always muse when you were a child that Austria and Australia were similar words? And then I think it's something? like I think it goes. It's just it's the size. So the smallest region is Austria, then slightly bigger Australia, then slightly bigger Australasia. That's how it works exactly. Yeah. Phew. Um, I was. Uh, uh, it's funny how you sort of, you you make weird uh, uh, summations noises about size size when you're a kid. Like I assumed that the Boeing seven oh seven was going to be the smallest. And then the 727 was going to be a bigger, bigger. The 737 would be a bit bigger. The 747 was a bit bigger. And I was very confused when the 757 was a smaller plane. I said, what the hell are you up to, uh, Boeing? You've ruined it. Yeah, no, that, that didn't cross my mind as a Not child. Not realising, of course, that the 737 was smaller than the 707. I also wondered what had happened to the 717, but uh, that's a long story. That's, you didn't not... think about such things when you were a kid? No. I think that shows I was probably more intelligent than you. I went, oh, aeroplane. So how are things and what's the topic? I think there's evidence still persisting today that you might be ever so slightly more intelligent than me. Well, it depends on what area. Um, You're far more intelligent with regard to computer games. No, that's just knowledge, not intelligence. I don't know. It's not muddle. I I don't know. I mean, if you put me in front of a game and tell me to play it, I suspect you will have certain... uh, I intelligent could whoop that I your know. ass at a game of Quake multiplayer. You would. I so what's so bad at multiplayer? The topic this week is. Can I, oh, can I ask in a slightly racist way, please? Please do. I don't know what's that topic this week. <laughs> well, uh, um, man off of the Amstrad. What's his name? The Simpsons. <laughs> oh, it's Apu. You being Apu. Yes. I thought you were. We were going for a more of a. What's his name? The Amstrad man from Alan Alan the Sugar. Apprentice. Alan Sugar thing. I enjoyed that. Anyway, I, I was... saw you on the beach playing your unga bunga drums. <laughs> <laughs> Please, can you be Alan Jacob for the whole episode? <laughs> no, mate. Can you be our guest? <laughs> oh, it sounds like I've been smoking. <laughs> Terrible hay fever. Carry on, please. My the topic. The, the topic this week is, uh, given Europe's carbon dioxide shortage, should we start burning more fossil fuels? Yeah, I kind of had a very microsecond of a muse of, oh, CO2 shorty, man, too much CO2, and then I, and then I didn't think... But I'm, I, I see, I didn't even allow... The, the reason I thought that topic was good was because I was, I'm not even so awful as to have allowed that second. You've extruded, you've extruded the musing jape into a reified thread of topic. It's true, can you, I, but I can imagine the Have I Got News For You version of it. Oh God! Oh, the when nerd. last did you watch? Have I got news for you? Eighteen seventy-two, like you. Me too. That's right. Angus Deaton was still in his nappy the last time <laughs> I watched it. Yes. Well, no. Well, if you think of the Have I Got News for You, but think of the Now Show sketch, which would take up a third of the program. <sighs> Actually, I'm thinking about it now. It's making me feel all weak and and sad. <laughs> That's so awful. Oh. Let's talk about Love Island then. Well, my brother likes Love Island, as does his wife, but I'm not really sure. Have you why. ever watched any of it? No, but I'm told. Nor have I. So let's, but let's try to guess what we think it is. No, no, I've already been told about. It. I've been told that um, you get the same sort of feeling that you got when you first watched um, uh, Big Brother. Big Brother, yeah. It's the same. It's kind of like a weird evolution of the format, and uh, and and you know, you you enjoy the stupidity of the contestants talking about Brexit and that sort of thing, and. 
I do know that they're supposed to they're supposed to basically try as hard as they can to become partners to have it have it off but uh, and but then remain partners by the end and there's something about it to stop you gaming the system because I thought well if you're going to win if you want to win and you know you're going to win money at the end then so I, just... genu- I genuinely don't know. I'm that much of a 40-something no, snob. It, the, the, the idea of the game is to try to pair off with someone and stick it, with them in a relationship. Is that right? It, exactly. But in the but surely the, the immediate response to that is, well, and then you win money or whatever at the end. Yeah. So so you would quietly have a word with somebody who you thought was was intelligent and could game the system and say, look, let's just play that we're good partners and good friends until the end of the program and we'll win. End of story. But, mm-hmm. the, the, but but clearly they've thought of that um, game, their game theory, and they've put stuff in to frustrate that somehow. So I'm just not sure. N- no contestants with the intelligence to think of that. There must be, but I just don't understand. Um, and that's what would interest me about it in a game theory sense. What have they done to frustrate that obvious strategy? Because I mean, that's what you would do. Don't they? Do, I I don't know. I genuinely don't know. I would imagine they just sort of dangle boobies in front of the boys who've already paired off with another pair of boobies no it's, i don't think it's as simple as that it's, uh, uh, there's some there's some competitive aspect of it and i know that they somebody choose somebody and then they chose a better male i think it's more like the women uh, they uh, chose a male and then they got another man with bigger muscles and so on and tried to appeal to their hypergamic uh, senses and uh I don't know. I mean, so maybe it's a sort of evolutionary return to our origins. Shall we watch it? Let's all let's all go and watch it. Okay. Well, you say compared to the early Big Brother, I would argue against that. The first two seasons of Big Brother um, was about putting intelligent and silly people into the same house, and so you had in season two, which was the best. You had Dean and Elizabeth, which is the both... one with the transsexual. I don't know. Many Remember years, one, and they weren't sure that. She was one, right? And she won in the end. Oh, that, I think that was many years later. Uh, but early on, so you had Dean and Elizabeth, and you had uh, Paul and uh, were the Smarties, and you had Paul and Emma who were the thickos, um, and also Brian, lovely, cute little Brian who went on to be famous. Um, and 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 that was the they allowed books and instruments, and all this stuff was banned because it was considered by the awful people watching that to be boring. Yeah. Um, and uh, that year I watched it compulsively. I watched it on the live stream all summer yes. long. And I got to know these people. And of course, when you watch the actual edited live, the edited show or the daily show, the edited version, they completely changed everyone's personalities. And so, so Dean and Elizabeth were cast as baddies and they were evil and horrible. But yeah. if you actually, if you watch the live stream, they were extraordinarily kind. They realized that Brian was a lovely guy with no, with no knowledge. So they decided to give him some knowledge and they gave him school every day. And they okay. would give him chapters of books to read. And they oh. would give Dean, I remember when Dean found out that he didn't, Brian didn't know, Brian professed to be a Catholic, but didn't know anything about the Bible. Sounds familiar. And, and had no idea. Yeah, well, but like to a pathological level. And then oh, okay. also knew nothing about who the first man on the moon was. Just had just seemingly no standard information. So they decided just to teach him. And he was really willing to be taught. And it was a, a really special and lovely thing. Um and then soon after that, they they just decided no, we, all we want is conflict. So yeah, and so it seems like Love Island is the latter stages of Early Big Brother rather than I want to yeah. defend that what that show was actually quite no, good. No, no, I mean I don't I don't mean what the program was. I just mean that oh, this is something new and it's compelling to watch. Sense of it rather than in any particular philosophy or uh, style or ethos. But That's Private Eye is saying that 
this is the third, fourth year, I think, of the fourth season. And Private Eye saying it's becoming enormously self-referential already. So the contestants are walking in going, oh, I can't believe I'm actually on the place off the telly. Yeah. At which point it will completely eat itself. Yes. But I don't know why this season it's suddenly become so popular. It, ha- it hasn't. It, they did this last year too. It's it's an extraordinary um, piece of PR. So their media, pre- social media presence is astounding. Mm-hmm. Um and but it's only, it's on ITV two. It's not going to get more than three million viewers, mm. um, and and yet it has this extraordinary presence. It does. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's good. Good. Happy that um, Theresa May defeated the rebels yesterday, and now we can have a smooth Brexit. I was trying to do the maths to work out whether if the four Labours who voted with her had voted against, and the two abstainees, but it was least and the one independent, but she still would have won by one vote. So if they had, needed one more Tory rebel and we, Labour to have some gumption, which we could have had because if Labour had been clever and oh had yes, wanted to, and had and had wanted to, and Corbyn had been a proper <coughs> leader, it would have been so easy to get two or three, um, you know, Ken Clarkites from the Labour Party. Absolutely, oh, How, sorry, from what? the Conservative Party. So yeah, exactly. Easy. If they'd been just mumbling in the corridors, doing deals, having the whole, if, all, if Labour were a coherent party and they could use their spin and can get get to the Tories and say, look, this is crucial. This is the moment where you can actually yeah. get rid of Theresa, where you can yeah. d- destabilise your party to a really useful. You know, yeah, but there's none of that, is there? It it, yeah. it, gen- it was genuinely surprising when Corbyn didn't whip them to abstain and like yes. he did last week that's yes. that's disturbing <laughs> uh, it is genuinely surprising i mean yeah. corbyn is massively pro-brexit and mm-hmm. uh, and, and 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 he's been acting to try and force through brexit in every way he can uh, i guess he just realized that that would be pushing things too far he's pro hard he... brexit that's the key thing yes. about him yeah it has to be very hard brexit is what he wants um so be, because he has some weird notion that once you get brexit you are away from all those jews controlling europe and then you can nationalize everything without the europeans um saying that that's unfair competition law and all that kind of stuff so that's basically he has an old school um marxist sense of the eu is just a plutocratic capitalist club which 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 it partly is that's yeah. the thing. and again this is this is the problem with with corbyn um yes corbyn you're right the eu is a capitalist plutocratic club, but that's not all it is. Um, you, uh, you're, he's unable to grapple with the world in its uh, muddied complexity and realise that you have to filter uh, the the useful things from the nefarious things. Uh, for example, the EU is doing a terrible thing at the moment with regard to uh, European copyright. Oh, good gracious! Yesterday you know, was a disaster. A terrible thing. It's disgusting. But that uh, doesn't mean the, the social chapter's wrong. You see mm-hmm. what I mean? This. Uh, and you might argue, well, okay, let's, uh, I'm sorry, you know, the cliche that comes to mind is baby and bathwater. And I think that's what he's, I think he'll he'll always throw out the baby with the bathwater. But the thing, I think the crucial thing with Corbyn is that he's too stupid to know that there was a baby. Yeah, I think he just assumes, uh, also, he thinks that once the once the bath is empty, then uh, <laughs> there, there'll, there'll, there'll be no more, uh, there'll, there'll be no more water anywhere, that's fine, and, and we're, we're, we'll, we'll be waterproof. It's a very strange thing that he thinks, okay, so what do you think you're going to get? You're going to get a worker's paradise independent from the rest of the world's uh, machinations if you just get yourself out of this club, really. No more pesky, all the pesky Jews will be gone at least. Well, yeah. So, no, I think it's very, it's, it's sad. Can you, as we've said before, can you imagine what would have happened if we'd actually had a proper leader of the opposition? Oh, no. 
Well, imagine, yes, imagine I can. If, 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 um, I've forgotten her name, the poor lady. Yeah. What's her lady. name? Lady, lady. Like. She's called Lady Lady. Lady Face. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. The whole thing is, yeah, it's too, it's pretend it's not happening. I want to ask you, oh, let's not, let's not pass over Labour Life while we're on the subject. Well, that went through an interesting trajectory because the first thing was, oh, it's going to, uh, this hubris, which it was, it's going to be a disaster. Then they tried to pretend that it hadn't been a disaster. And people like the execrable Owen Jones were running yes. around saying this is the beginning of a new dawning of the He was age. tweeting these pictures of maybe 500 people saying, yes. look, it's astounding. Everything in the world is coming, is changing. Woo-hoo. And then if you actually watched their response to Corbyn and his banal speech, and the, 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 the genuine cult of personality, it was astonishing. I mean, No, was... I haven't done that. Tell me why. Uh, I won't tell you. Just watch it. Uh, the, the reaction and the, oh, Jeremy Corbyn and his basking in it. Mm. He adores every second of it. it Did it... you... Go on. Okay. No, it's just, you know, that, it, 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 that kind of... Where you can't even be asked to play false humble anymore. <laughs> Did you see Eddie Izzard on stage? I saw a photo of Eddie Izzard on stage, but nothing else. I watched video clips of it. So, do you remember when Eddie Izzard would play uh, stadiums? Stadia? Yes. He was a very big thing. He was a very big thing. He He was on stage... All jam, all fish. Yeah, I remember that. Um, He was on stage at this Labour Live... There were maybe 20 people watching and maybe another 20 sort of milling in the background chatting. Oh. It was astounding. And he wasn't coherent at all. He was just saying, uh, I used to go on stage and be, uh, yeah, and then, uh, uh, Labour, yeah, yeah. The fish. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. And it was not, but it was, it's, I realise if you go back to his original, like, Live at the Ambassadors, his, he was just going, ooh, uh, yeah, uh, well, uh, for most of the performance. But it wasn't any of that. It wasn't this deliberate controlled thing. It was just a confused twerp mm. rambling to about 20 people. And everything just, he's been what involved has happened in, to him? Everything he's been involved in over the last decade has fallen apart. You remember, yes to AV, no to Brexit, yes to Scottish independence, getting uh, Corbyn to be the Prime Minister. He's basically, everything he touches turns to, um, yeah, sad. Poor old man. And all his TV shows get cancelled pretty quickly. As they should, because he was never that good. He was just beguiled by his lipstick. His American accent is terrible. He had a very impressive pair of breasts at Labour Live. Is he actually transgender? Now? I don't think he can make his mind up yet. Okay. I think he's sort of wavering on that decision. I think he needs to make up his mind because I'd like to see him pot committed one way or the other. Because, <laughs> because I don't think he's very good in his halfway house. I just I think he looks a bit like, like his um, uh, act. His heart, a bit of lipstick, but the hair's not very good. Kind of no. Come on, do it properly, mate, and then. <laughs> He's kind of he, he's rambling flu. So look, some people like gender fluidity and it suits them. Like with everything else about him, that's rambling and sort of vague and meh. It's all a bit meh. <laughs> he's like a big pile of meh in everything that he is. Whether it's his gender, his political beliefs, his uh, act, he's a meh. He used sort to be, him out, John. He used, sort to him be, out. he used to be quite good. I know you never liked him, but I did. 
funny. I, I always see through these people. No, you, you didn't see through anything. You, he was funny. No, he wasn't. No, I no, you know, he actually was. He made my, yeah. the laughing noises came out my mouth when he said the funny jokes. But I think that was just because you were rubbish. Oh, I see. In retrospect. As a teenager, I, I, I learned every word of his acts. I exactly. could regale his entire acts. I loved exactly. them. Oh, cake or death. Oh. The cake or death was was fine. It wasn't his greatest moment. There's nothing particularly wrong with cake or death. Saying ooh, cake or death does rather strip it of its context. But it basically gives it its reason to. It was a funny observation on the Church of England. Mm. It's a good. You know, I'm going to argue this one because you're wrong. He was arguing that the Church of England seems to offer either. It's like, ooh, would you like a slice of cake, or would you like to go to hell for all eternity? And that's where cake or death came from. And see, it's a good joke, and you were wrong about that one. Mm. So there. And then it just somehow ended up being an airline that they were running, Cake or Death Airlines. But there you go. Cake or Death Airlines. Exactly. That's the problem, isn't it? Well, that's okay. It's okay for people. You just don't have to like... Like, uh, my friend doesn't like Vic Reeves at all, hates everything about him. And for me, he's the most important and pivotal comedian I've ever experienced. Whereas I just sit in the middle. Yeah. With him. What do you think of uh, stand-up generally? I mean, we last talked about it about five years ago, and you talked about what's the state of stand-up at the moment? I, have, I must admit I'm completely... I've slipped completely. I don't really know. I used to know stand-up to... I used to obsess on stand-up and read books mm. about it and oh, know exactly. ed- absolutely everybody. But, yeah, it's, it's a I format... I realise you haven't talked about it for five years. Well, I think the format itself has has got to a place where I don't particularly enjoy it. Although when I say, I say that, I see uh, clips of so, so someone like Dara O'Brien, I'm like, oh my goodness, I wish I could see his old act and then never get around to it. He's very um, good. He's very he's very, very good at improvising responses to things. And, uh, and he's very smart. Nice. Yes. I enjoy Ross cool. Noble, and I think you would no. hate him. But I enjoy I Ross like Noble's no, I don't like him. stuff. Yeah, uh, you might, but I don't like him. Um... But yes, I am. Like, when it comes to like, the new crop of stand-ups doing the circuit and stuff, I have absolutely no idea who they are anymore. That's probably for the best. I'm 40. It's not for 40-year-olds. It's for 20-somethings, isn't it? Well, maybe there should be old curmudgeonly stand-up. Well, there are. There are certainly those. Many of those, indeed. Um, I used to... So I moved from knowing the British scene to knowing the American scene. But then even that, I'm now... I know names and stuff, but I'm, you know, I was last into it when it was all about people like Eugene Merman and stuff like that. And that's clearly not the case anymore. Ethel Merman. Ethel moment is now the main stand-up on tour. Hooray for Hollywood. Um, so, yeah, sorry, I'm not very helpful. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. That's a pity. Yeah. Well, oh, we... But I can tell you all about telly. <laughs> I love telly now. You can. Oh, talking about uh, comedy, did you see the leaked emails from, uh, from the the Department for Transport about the railway companies and all that. It was so cynical. And then they, actually, real- they actually realised they were being cynical. Did you see? Let me actually get 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 them up. Okay. Uh, In the meantime, I will say that actually Mike Burgi Bugly Bagly Boglia is the stand-up I like a lot at the moment. Who's- who? Mike- Sounds a bit racist to me. Mike Burgi... Well, he's white, so you know. Well, what's it about? What's his shtick? His shtick is he's the guy, um, the sleepwalk with me guy. He's the guy who fell out of a hotel window from sleepwalking. I don't remember that. Um, he was on, uh, I'm just going to look his name up. He was on uh, This American Life and stuff like that for a bit. Mike Burbig- Burbiglia. Mm-hmm. Um, he's from Massachusetts. He's, you can't get whiter than that. Okay. Yes, yeah, so a frequent. You can Finland. American life Finland, sorry, you can't get wise than that. Finland. Finland is a good point. Yeah. yeah, it is a good point. 
Uh, carry on, yes. He was born in Shrewsbury, Massachusetts. I wonder if they argue about how to pronounce the name of the town. Shrewsbury. Yes. Uh, the son of Mary Jean, nay Mackenzie, and Vincent... Son of Mary, nay Jesus. Of Mary. Here's Jesus, yeah. it's clear. Uh-huh. He's of part Italian descent. Okay. And what is his... What, what particularly about his atmosphere or, or ethos do you like in, in his... In He's his a form? very... I like his. I like the shape of his stand-up. He does these very clever hours, um, and he's just very gentle and very friendly, but okay. very open and honest. It's very sort of. It's very uh, open wounds comedy, and it's good. But gentle and friendly is often not considered compatible with. Uh... Yeah, exactly. Okay, and he handles hecklers quite well, despite that. He, I just discovered that he's younger than me, so now I hate him. <laughs> he was born in the June after I was born. Racist June. <laughs> I love the fact that there is part of your brain dedicated to hearing the word Jew. <laughs> it's like in all contexts. I assume you saw that Woody Allen thing. Which? Uh, where, where he just keeps hearing Jew everywhere. Jew oh, wants yes, something. Yes. Jew, yes, 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 you know what they're like. <coughs> oh dear, I'm just, I'm just, I think I've got lung cancer. Oh well. <coughs> It's not like we were using you for anything important. I've got lung cancer from all the pollen. <clears throat> so anyway, the real emails, I loved how cynical they were, because, and then they became um, self-conscious of the cynicality. So DFT was saying, South Portalese is not really valued connection, but we're going to give it basically as a sop to South Port, uh, blah, blah, blah. And, then, and then, they, then they go on, and then at the end they say, anyway, this is, a, this is what the email says. This is just a classic handling strategy. Propagate the myth that the service is closing entirely. Then people will rejoice at the news that is merely being diverted to Victoria. You're cynically. Wow. And that's actually in the email. So they're actually conscious. Uh, they, they become self-conscious of their own cynicality and saying you're cynically and saying that this is a classic handling strategy. Can you imagine if a conspiracy theorist had posited that that's what the civil servants are saying? It sounds like a good episode of Yes Minister. But it's beyond... I don't think Yes Minister would have been quite on the nose. I don't think they would have said, you're cynically. They don't know that. We can't end the letter like that. It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, I, I approve. I mean, how do you live with yourself when you realise you're in that milieu? Do you think it's all for the better good? I think you just roll over and stare at your pile of gold. Yeah. How sad. Any, well, my anyway. coffee's run out, so you're going to have to raise your game now. Anyway, I would recommend Menorca because Menorca is oh Menorca. yes, we never talked about your clubbing holiday in Menorca last week. Yes, so the it's it's the thing about Menorca not being Mallorca is it's a smaller, much nicer little island, <clears throat> which actually is very green. It's very lush. It's you kind of think you're you you're in some part of uh, the Caribbean if you're in it. And what I what I really liked was the opportunity to have a hotel in a kind of. Um, Bay Cove, uh, where the hotel is kind of uh, in front of the hotel is a path that leads to the beach. You're not separated out by a road, right? The main road. And I suddenly realised that's what I look for uh, because when we were very young, when, when when we were in South Africa, we used to go to a place called Cabana Beach in in a town near Durban called Umklanga, and that would. The, that would be right on the beach and you'd hear the waves crashing and you could literally just walk from the hotel room down a little cobbled path and you'd be on the beach. And I suddenly realised 
that's what I look for. And that's what has kind of been missing when I found places where, you know, you'd, you'd go somewhere, then there'd be a little fence and there'd be a road you have to right, cross. Yeah. And, and the psychological difference is profound. So um, I, if anybody could email in and recommend good hotels on beaches, obviously don't mention anything in Britain because uh, a, a hut on Cornwall is not going to make it for me. Sorry. There's a place that my mum and dad would go on holiday. My mum has gone there since uh, in Crete. Uh-huh. which has a hotel right on the beach where you can just wander from the uh, from the hotel pool down to the actual pool. That's very good. But, and, and yeah. again, I, I, even if it's the same distance, but you just have to put a road between you, the alienation is surprising and substantial. So, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and when I you would swim like, in the sea, there are little fishies that look up at you. Yep, no, we had that as well. Uh, very, and, and of course, the water was that ridiculously photoshopped turquoise <laughs> colour. <laughs> Uh, which which was wonderful. So I would recommend it's only Did two Judy hours. Did Judy not get horribly bored? The beach is the beach has sandcastles for a day, and then it's just very boring. Oh no no! Because uh, unlike the children, you obviously are around. She's she's not horrific. Yeah, well, she's either horribly damaged or bored. One of the two. <laughs> no. So but remember, she was. What there did with... she do of a day then? She was there with Jessica, her cousin. Ah, and she was I there see. with Moss, with Moss Jawane. And there were, the hotel had a kids' club as well, which was outdoors, and they played games and made... Well, there you go. Hats. You see, I thought you answered my question. There was a kids' club and cousins. There you go. Answer question, answer. There was also the also the hotel had a, a kiddie pool, and they had a very big inflatable uh, dolphin. <laughs> Did they? Yes. Mummy, Daddy, please, can we go and play with the dolphin, please? Yes, which... Um, <coughs> my brother didn't bother deflating, so it took up half his hotel room when they were inside. <laughs> So yeah. you went to, do your mummy and daddy go too? Everybody went. Good Everybody gracious. in the universe. I wasn't so, there. I was the only one. Yeah, well, we specifically didn't want you I there. I wondered where were... Laura and Toby were. <laughs> we, we didn't want you. We thought you would have let the side down. Yeah, yeah I would oh, no, have. We couldn't, couldn't it's a invite, fair argument. Couldn't invite Toby. We don't allow speckies. Sorry. <laughs> but hang Sorry. on, your wife is a specky. No, not specky kids. I, 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 oh, I, I see. I'm not allowed. Obviously, I, I would, do you think he will get bullied by it, or have they changed that completely? From what I've seen in Judas' class, they don't care anymore. No, they just don't seem to care. And so I think, I think change is what tends to get bullied rather than just mm. obviously different if it's extreme enough. But if he turns yeah. up, Toby's enormously confident, and if he turns up wearing his glasses and is confident, he probably won't have a problem. If he were to suddenly get them midway through a term, I can see that might be true. I yeah. imagine it could actually also be the case, like if he suddenly stops wearing glasses because he gets uh, LASIK surgery or uh, not sticky two eyes. That, that would be. I think that's when the bullying would happen. Oh, you look weird without your glasses. And that I'd thing. love for it to be possible for three-year-olds to get LASIK just to fix this problem. Pow, just to get rid of his... Because he's got... It's, it, he describes the world as fuzzy when he doesn't wear glasses. And it's cruel so is it, that is he spent fault? the first three years of his life seeing fuzzy and not knowing it could be better. Is it the fact that your kid's nearly blind your fault or is it just the throw of a dice? Laura tries to blame me because I have astigmatism in my left eye. My left eye, I was told, my parents were told. No, but it might was... have been something you did to him in the first... Oh, no, 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 first... no, it's just my genetics. My parents were told when I was uh, three or four that I was going definitely going to go blind in my left eye. Right. Um, I failed to do now. that, but my left eye is, uh, is pretty, pretty useless. Right. So you can't so, see 3D movies? I, yeah. No, I can't. They hurt my head. You're I can welcome. see them for a bit and then it just gives me a headache so I don't bother. And also, why would you? It's much better in 2D. Yeah. Did well, you Did you spend your... I, can't, I must have said this before, but did you spend your whole life going to 2D movies just screaming, but everything's out of the same distance from my eyes! Well, no, and that's why... No, How do I know if he's behind him or just short? Like a bushman. 
Yes, like Bushmen bush man. don't see 2D representations of perspective properly. Because it's uh, unheard of, and they they did some people they did an interesting study where they showed them, you know, uh, pay, paintings in that way you would see perspective and two D representation of depth and distance, and they would just say no, no, that person's bigger than that person. They interesting. Didn't, they didn't get it. I think you you have to kind of be trained to see perspective, and actually that's that is quite artificial because if you look at pictures before the Renaissance and you go back to the old church and that sort of stuff, bigger and smaller would be if you were more important. So you'd have like baby Jesus taking up a huge part of the painting and then there'd be a tiny picture of some saint next to him and the kind of thing. And it wasn't mean that the saint was far away. It's just you, you drew the more important person bigger. I see. Uh, 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 so your know, 2D representations of perspective are actually, were actually uh, contrived after the Renaissance. And we just take that as being a a natural uh, thing to p- perceive. And if we show people who haven't been taught in perspective and have spent their whole lives looking over 3D scenes for hunting and so on, the notion of putting that on one plane is considered a bit weird. So I have the Bushmen think you're now. a bit weird. Go on. <coughs> We're all horrible, phlegmy old men. It's dreadful. This is not hay fever on my part. Well, what is it for you? Just a good old-fashioned uh, cold, as usual. Are you enjoying it? No, it's my 47th this year. Uh huh. Did it start? Did you get this sore throat as well? No, it started with my glands and my neck and my armpit. Okay, I, so I assume cold. immediately assume cancer. Obviously, yeah. I'm now. I've re- I've realised I have reached the point where if I can't reach, think of a word or say the wrong word, I've oh, I have dementia. Yeah, so Not, do I. <laughs> I've got dementia. Oh, I actually have dementia, and it's going to be kill me in ten years' time. Well, when I suddenly realised that I can't remember the name of a celebrity mm-hmm. whose name should be obvious, and right, that's it. That's <laughs> there's the Alzheimer's. Start measuring me for my coffin. Yeah, yes, it's... Who are you? Oh, dear. <laughs> it's inevitable. Um, We're doomed. We are doomed. We are doomed. We're happily doomed. But, you know, that's all right. We'll, we'll have... Well, I wonder if we'll have these weird rum-doing podcasts where we... Hello? <laughs> where are you? Who are you? What? Where are, where are you? You've come to steal my wallet. <laughs> Is that you, Simon? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Was that the name of one of your characters on the comic book? Oh, uh, on the guide, Simon. Wasn't the name of the sheep? And I think the sheep was James. Simon was the original name of Brian. Yeah. When I doodled him at uh, college, mm. he was called Simon. My dad had an original doodle of it on his wall. Where is that doodle now? I imagine in the bin. <laughs> so the thing that your dad valued so much, you yes. respected by... Probably not caring where it is. His inability to value things anymore rather took away the importance of it. No, but then you didn't respect his memory by valuing what he valued. <laughs> I, I, no, I don't. Some crappy doodle I did when I was 18 does not hold such import to me. Honestly. That's pathetic of you. Us, us kids. Yeah. Do people still play text adventure games? Or yes, they a, do. No, my goodness. The IF scene, as it's known, hold is huge. On. Hold on, though. Here's, here's what I mean by that. On green I'm, terminals, no, not so no, much. I'm quite aware that people make them and people will engage in them. But is it, again, a kind of self-conscious, ooh, look at me, I'm having my high-fiber cereal thing? Or are people innocently enjoying the, enjoying the, the genre? There is a community, of I, an IF community, I would say. So it's restricted. So if you put out... Inter- interactive fiction. Yes. Like so if you, well, if you put out one of those on Steam, you're not going to become rich. Mm-hmm. But there is a community that buy and play each other's games. Um, and 
we uh, we had her on RPS for a while. We had a column written by Emily Short, who is one of the most respected in that community, and she wrote a fantastic column highlighting the best and the most interesting games in the genre. And so it's well worth digging into uh, into the archives of that. Okay. I came up with a great name for it, and I've forgotten what it was. So let me just Google it. Rock. What's what's the name of my website? Simon. Um... Uh, your website is called uh, oh, Google. I know com. No, no, it, no, no. It's it, it's uh, isn't it Nature dot com or what? It's one. Of, it's, it's one of those journals. I've remembered what it's called. My, my, I haven't remembered. I've read on Google what my column was. My goodness, I'm telling you, it's just set in. Yeah. The co- the title I came up with for the column was IF only. That's good. I oh. Uh-huh. So I'll I, link. I'll I'll forget to link to the uh, tag. I, I get it now. For if it, only it's because it's like interactive fiction, but also it's um, musing on a, a possibility. If I only. know you understand the little joke. It's like um, people who use the word IT for the, the IT crowd. Show. Yes, it's like the it crowd because it <coughs> it girls and the it crowd are the the, the, the crowd who are fashionable and popular, but it also stands for information technology and usually people who are into information technology were not considered a popular crowd. Oh, I get it now. Ah. Thanks. If only. There you go. Oh, I remember the porn magnetic scrolls. Yeah, I remember all of that. You can now play it in your browser. Oh, I should read this. Who wrote that? Emily, Emily Short. Short. Who's Emily Short? As I told you just now, she's one of the more, most most respected people in the community. She writes a lot of uh, interactive fiction. She's now working for a company called something or other. But not for Rock Paper Shotgun, I see. Uh, no, the column was dropped. Why? I don't know. It was a great decision, not made by me. Because it wasn't kept it. Because it wasn't very popular because nobody plays uh, interactive fiction. I don't know. I wish it would. I would keep it going if it were up to me. Spirit AI. She and Mitu, uh, Mitu Kah- uh, Kandaka work for um, Spirit AI, which is a company that is creating middleware to make AI characters more emotional and interesting. It's interesting with regard to... I think there's always been more female involvement in adventure gaming and interactive fiction and so on. I mean, right from Roberta Williams and so well, on. Well, I'd argue it was, it's always been a balanced... Maybe not quite. Maybe that's going too far. But there were always, there's always been a much more significant female representation in, in text adventures and IF yes. than any other genre, for sure. Yeah, no, definitely. And I've, I've noticed that... Uh, um, Oh, I can play the porn in a web browser. Thank you, Emily Short. I shall go and do that. By the way, P-A-W-N, don't get all excited. Oh, I'm really disappointed. I thought you were going to play... Because I thought you just discovered you could get porn in a web browser. (laughs) What? This internet's got porn? The Now Show! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I did hear the Now Show theme tune come on the radio on on Friday. Oh, I'm sorry. Turn off the radio. Could you scramble across the room knocking pans and vases off of shelves? No, I screamed, Alexa, stop! (laughs) Oh dear, not Alexa. (laughs) I think think Alexa is ITV to Google Home's BBC. (laughs) The ITVs. That's what I think. Uh, I like. Yeah. I, I think if if Google is collecting any uh, data about my use of Google Home, it really should be tone of voice, so it <laughs> yes. can tell how annoyed I am by whatever I'm asking Radio Four to stop broadcasting. 
<laughs> yes. So it'd be I'm... very useful for you know the, for radio stations. To yes, exactly. That's data they should be collecting. So every night they could uh, they see a spike of oh okay hey Google turn off radio four and they'd be like oh this okay is, it must be you and yours it's spiking at you. Okay, and yours. John, try this. Get ready to for the tune. I can uh, uh, no, no, get rid of <laughs> Google, get, my phone is trying to help. Hang on, it all got confusing. Get ready for the tone, uh, John. Okay. And no one really for Brian finds himself in a spot of trouble. <laughs> hey, Google, switch <laughs> off. Okay. That's the, that's the tone. And no one really yours, Winifred Robinson, the young pop morality. I have to admit, I do have... I quite in, enjoy the schadenfreude of, of, uh, of you and yours. So there's no interruption at that point? I will. I, I, I tend to get my lunch in the kitchen uh, between around 12.15 and 1. So I do hand... I, no, nothing makes me more sad. Nothing, not even the death of a friend's child, <clears> makes me no. more sad than uh, going in just before 12.15 and accidentally catching some home front. Is that still going on? Uh, some, well, yes, because the world... War, as I have argued in the past... The home front seems has seems uh, people are looking forward to the end of home front more than they were looking forward to the end of the actual First World War. That's my yes. joke. It's a good joke, and I agree with it. Oh my gosh, how it's so bad! And it begins. They say, and uh, now on Radio Four, it's time for home front. Uh, Where in this day in 1918, uh, thousands of soldiers were gruesomely murdered in the streets, and Lynn is having trouble with her courgettes. <laughs> And then there's a 15 minutes of a vicar having having some troubles about his faith and a lady wanting to organise a party, but her best friend being busy. I don't know, it's that sort of level of just banal rubbish, trivialising everything. It's supposed to be, the idea is it's supposed to be, what was it like for people at home during the horrible, horrible war? Yeah. It turns out very dull. Four years this grim rubbish has gone on and what's even more annoying is when it's not on because it has weeks off here and there something like quite good tends to be put on instead yeah. <laughs> teasing you tricking you into thinking it's worth turning the radio on at 12.04 oh god shall we say goodbye on that note no it's nowhere near food. we've got five minutes to go well how um, many commercials are you putting into this now you've depressed me <laughs> it's not my fault it's google's fault I like the idea that when I said, hey, Google, s- switch off, anyone who uses Google to listen to this podcast just had to turn off on them. It turned off their pacemaker. Let's see what else we can do with people's thing. Alexa, play Brian Adams. <laughs> Alexa, is it going to rain today? You can do that with Google, too. Yeah, Alexa, for a while, decided that there was a flood alert in our town there wasn't but it kept (laughs) ending everywhere there was and there is a flood alert (laughs) no no, really alexa there isn't i promise you there's not hey google play some thrash metal (laughs) i like doing that at friends houses you've got you've got a google home as i leave i did that to a friend as i left did it work yeah it did were they happy well they had a a four-year-old that's why i did it i hope the four-year-old had just gone to sleep that's no scarred for life okay good What's the difference between thrash metal and death metal? I don't know. We discussed it once before and somebody got very angry because they said we weren't being respectful enough to it's metal. Do you remember that? all exactly the same. You, you, you're probably going to get death threats now. Death metal threats. Death metal threats. Oh. <laughs>
it's very interesting um the the variations of metal fans you know you've got everything from Ingvi Malmsteen highly technical to these people who just scream into a microphone and they argue about their art so deeply and the differences between them just like any any kind of chamber musicians it's 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 wonderful how kind of effete they are in their differentiation when they think <laughs> that it's a kind of rejection of i don't know a, 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 just a, a cri de coeur i guess a scream from the depths of their id i guess is what it's supposed to be but it gets so nerdy just like anything else do you listen to my teenage diary on radio 4 your teenage diary yes oh, oh yeah my teenage diary where they make up stuff that they pretended to have written as teenagers. oh no i don't think that's ever happened i'm fairly <laughs> that... certain it's real no i disagree Oh, please. Oh, come on. I think it's... F- I'm totally sure it's real. The only problem with that programme is that Rufus Hound seems incapable of just ad-libbing the intro and says the same intro every episode, season after series after series. What's your favourite episode of it, then? Um, I don't know. But... Well, oh, I liked... Um, Caitlin Moran's was very good, because she had such a crazy life. What brought her to mind? What brought the programme to mind? I just listened to John Finnemore's yesterday. Our oh, friend really? John Finnemore. Oh, we need to have him back on. He did uh, one from when he was uh, 19 and teaching in uh, Poland without having any qualifications or skills. And he kind of broke the format because everything he wrote was hilarious and brilliant. (laughs) And so he was reading out these genuinely funny uh, diaries. But he has such humility, stroke false humility, that he would have had to have punctured every genuinely funny Well, no, because what was... Luckily... His own st- actually still technically being a teenager was sneaking in. So there were these girls that were interested in him and showing their interest by inviting him to stay over the night at their house, for instance. Uh-huh. And he was writing in his diary, such and such has invited me to stay, blah, blah, blah. I'm, but no, she probably just wants to be friends. And it's this horrible, self-defeating <laughs> failure in all his entries, which was very amusing. Oh, I've got to listen to that one because we like our John. Exactly. Walls. The last thing I need to say before we do hang up okay. is that last night, you may have seen this on the Twitters, but last night I started reading, Toby and I went to the library yesterday and we borrowed the original Secret Seven, uh-huh. um, written in, and it's very important to know this, written in 1949. Wow. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, chapter one. Mm-hmm. Chapter title, plans for an SS meeting. Okay. Oh, Victoria, uh, go away. Go away. Honestly. Anyway, I'll try yeah. that again. Take two. Yeah. Plans for an SS meeting. Uh-huh. Ah. When, when did you say this was written? Uh, 1949. I would argue these the, 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 the similarity was fresh in people's minds at the time. And also, you'd think the sub-editor would have just said, actually, I know. Secret 7 meeting? Part, later, yeah. later on in the uh, same chapter... This is a little quote. The Seventh Society was one that Peter and Janet had invented. They thought it was great fun to have a band of boys and girls who knew the password and who wore the badge, a button with SS on it. <laughs> was she trolling? I don't... She has to have been, surely. I mean, she was a massive racist. Yeah, but, but even so. But that seems a <clears> bit <throat> much. And I don't think Annie Blyton has... I mean, I've read books about her. I know a lot of... Yeah, she wasn't a Nazi. She was she never wasn't. accused of being a Nazi. No. No. Naked tennis playing lesbian hater of children. Yes, yes. Not a Nazi, a lazy, lazy racist. Did you? Um, it, it wasn't good though. Did Toby enjoy it? Uh, I'm not sure. It was a bit dull. We had been reading. The reason we picked up is we'd been reading the Wishing Chair, which is was one of the first books I ever read to myself. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got my mum's original copy, which hilariously has my mum writing her address inside it where she goes past, you know, England in the address. Mm-hmm. I've got a copy of a dad's book. My dad's one of my dad's books doing that, too. And I love that. You know, finding yeah. out your parents are children is always hilarious. Yeah. Um, and the Wishing Chair books, they're, they're, what they do is they capture the spirit of adventure. We've talked about Blight and Adventure yeah, yeah, yeah. on the podcast too many times, people But yeah, yeah, yeah. Us, yeah. So, um, but they also, they're, you know, I'm having to, I'm having to snowflake cuck read it as I go. You're such a snowflake. I know. So, for instance, one of the main characters in the Wishing Chair is called Chinky. Yeah, no. I yes, just don't need Toby running around saying the word Chinky. That's all. I mean, you are a cuck the way you, you, you let strange men constantly have sex with Laura. That's true. Ridiculous. Yeah. Well, <sighs> so I need to read Matthew George, um, late of our parish, sent yes. uh, some clips from Five Go to Smuggler's Top to uh-huh. me in response. Uh-huh. Do you know a boy called Pierre Lenoir? Uncle Quentin suddenly asked. Here's a, 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 let me diverge, uh, di- diverse for a moment. Any Blyton's use of suddenly is so bad that I now refuse to read it out loud when I'm reading to Toby. <laughs> she uses suddenly as a uh, no, there's never anything sudden happen when she says suddenly. Huh. Anyway, Uncle Quentin suddenly asked, taking a letter from his pocket, I believe he goes to your school and dicks, Julian. <laughs> She's such a bad writer. I, I assume she just must have refused to be edited because. Yes. Anyway. No. Pierre Lenoir, you mean old Sooty, said Julian. Yes, he's in dicks form. Mad as a hatter. Sooty? Now why do you call him that? said Uncle Quentin. Oh dear. It um, seems uh, a silly name for a boy. Oh dear, I'm I'm awaiting the answer. (laughs) If you saw him, you wouldn't think so, said Dick with a laugh. He's awfully dark, hair as black as soot, eyes like bits of coal, eyebrows that look as if they've been put in with charcoal. And the name means the black one, doesn't it? Lenoir, that's French for black. Yes, quite true, but what a name to give anyone. Sooty, said Uncle Quentin. Well, I've been having quite a lot of correspondence with this boy's father. He and I are interested in the same scientific matters. In fact, I've asked him whether he wouldn't like to come and stay with me for a few days and bring his boy Pierre. Oh, really? said Dick, looking quite pleased. Well, it wouldn't be as bad as sport... What, hello? Well, it wouldn't be bad sport to have old Sooty here, Uncle. But he's quite mad. He never does as he's told. And he climbs like a monkey. He could be awfully cheeky. I don't know if you'd like him much. A cheeky dark monkey. Yes, there you go. I'd like to dedicate my reading of that to uh, the comic strip. I think people would enjoy having you read out Enid Blyton. You could probably make money from it. One thing I would say, though, is it's clear what she means by sort of here is dark, swarthy, jippo Mediterranean sort rather than uh, fuzzy-wuzzy. Well, it's interesting that uh, Uncle Quentin is interested and respects his father's scientific method. Yeah, I, I, I'm not... I, because, again, it's, a, it's, it's Mediterranean, you know, French tar brush yeah. rather than yeah. a, a, a stupid fuzzy-wuzzy. Well, there's uh, the, um, the, the one of my favourite books as a kid was The Island of Adventure, mm-hmm. which was uh, another gang of four kids and a parrot who would <laughs> kiki the parrot um, and they would uh, go off and uh, solve mysteries and adventures <coughs> and always be rescued by good old Bill at the end. Um, good old Bill. Not the police, though. Anyway, uh, they... Did Bill end up being on you tree? Uh, no, he ended up marrying um, Jack and children. Jack and <laughs> if only Jack and yeah. no Philip and Dinah's. Yeah, Philip and Dinah's mummy. He ended up marrying. There was an arc to that series. I really yeah. loved those books. But anyway, in the beginning of the first one, um, they have an evil black servant called Jojo with a horrible big fat black nose. 
black people can be evil. So she goes straight for the the hardcore evil on the actual full black people, not your swarthy Mediterraneans, but your actual Africans. Yeah, she she saves her real hate for. Africans aren't aren't innocent little animals. They can be evil, just like anybody else. Well, I think this podcast is evidence enough of that. Yeah. Shall we say goodbye to all the all evil listener. black people who are listening? Goodbye to our. Let's say goodbye ones. to each of the races in turn. <laughs> but we'll leave. We'll leave. We'll leave out the Chinese because we know you have a problem with them. I don't. Oh, this is. I just don't know how to defend myself against this. I love and respect our extraterrestrial <laughs> Chinese friends. They may be our saviors. Exactly. Yeah, they're sent here to save us. Goodbye, no matter what race you are, unless you are... Careful now. I'm just trying to think of a race to pick on. Um, Unless you are... Oh, yeah, that's a tough one, isn't it? Uh, Inuit. See, you you see, I feel bad for the Inuit. I was going to be more brave. I was just going to say Indian. Unless you're an Indian. I think that works. Unless you're an Indian. Do you know what my... Fa- I'm going to tell you a true fact now. This sounds like I'm trying to be right Part on, but the, it's not. The Indian race. I mean, for goodness I know. Sake. That's why I enjoyed it the most. Yeah. My favourite accent is the uh, the Indian accent. Oh, my goodness. I enjoy the Indian accent. So melodious it. and beautiful. I enjoy the um, I enjoy the uh, Jamaican accent as well. Oh, see, much. I'm not such a fan of the Jamaican accent. Laura's favourite accent, you'll be pleased to learn, is South African. I I no, I don't like that. I like I like the Indian accent. I like the Jamaican accent. I like the Swedish accent. Uh, oh yes, Swedes good too. I like the way they can't pronounce again. They can't pronounce their uh, the Z's or, or even an S. That's it sounds like a Z. So you'll always always not always not ah, just always yes, yes. You will always be a loser, but no, you'll always be a loser. Yes, that's lovely, isn't it? I have a few Scandinavian friends, and what's wonderful? It's always a pleasure to chat with them. And what's wonderful, I don't tell them this because I don't want them to become self-conscious of it because none of them realise they're doing it, even if they're really <laughs> well-spoken. I don't want them suddenly to realise and then start uh, pronouncing their Zs properly, their vocalised Ss. Except the Danes. Don't listen if you're Danish. I hate the Danes. Nah, yeah. Just, I've, I've just decided to pick on a race. Rubbish. Pick on a no, but they, 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 have, they do have the, the worst, they have the worst Scandinavian accent because it's just mm-hmm. a bit kind of Dutchy Germanic. Far too Germanic, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Screw you, Danes. Yeah, you're worse. Uh, if you're Danish and you listen to this podcast, just stop it. Yeah. Hate you so much. Yeah. You Hamlet wannabes. You should all bye go bye. back to bye bye. Denmark. Bye. Bye bye.